Well, we're going to pick up on the seven churches of Revelation. I wasn't here last week. I thank you guys for letting me take off at the last minute like I did when mom ended up having surgery. And uh, I've, I've tried to let people know what's going on. But uh, yeah, I had to Friday made the arrangement. Saturday was out of here and I just got back yesterday afternoon. And so it's been a little whirlwind. And so we're going to pick back up on uh, Revelations here on this, the seven churches of Revelation. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Uh, we're actually going to be looking at the longest portion of these two chapters in chapters 2 and 3 to any of the churches. But interestingly, this is the smallest town, the smallest city of um, all the seven that are mentioned here. So Revelation chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. And to the angel in the church in Thyatira, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into the great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds." And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have Hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces. As I also have received authority from my father and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, I pray that you would um, speak to us clearly this morning from this text through this servant. I pray, Father, that you would steal my mind. Help me to be focused on this moment in this message that you have for us. I pray, Father, that we hear from you that your spirit speaks to us and challenges us and convicts us where necessary and comforts us where needed. And, and Father, that we will be able to grab onto, even if it's one nugget of truth that can transform our lives, I pray, Father, that you would speak that to our hearts. Thank you, Father, for not leaving us to ourselves. For giving us your Holy Spirit to keep us on the right path. We are grateful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, 
Thyatira is not much different from the city we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Pergamum, where, um, you know, there's just a lot of pagan worship. There's a lot of things going on in this town. It's not as developed. It's not as highfalutin that is in Pergamum. It's not like a big Acropolis up on a hill where they've got all of these temples and these uh, places of worship of Zeus and Athena and all these others that are up there. It's not like that there in Thyatira. Thyatira is just an outpost. It's like a, almost like a military outpost of Pergamum. It is there to basically be a, a uh, to slow down any enemies that might be coming from the east to attack Pergamum. That's basically Thyatira. They, they were known for their handicrafts and things like that. Uh, they were, uh, as a matter of fact, you might remember that uh, when Paul was uh, in the second missionary journey, and he went to Philippi. He didn't go into a temple. He went out by the river, and he sat down and, 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 and went to this prayer meeting that there was quite a few people at and uh, met a lady there who came to Christ. Her name was Lydia, and she was from this town in Thyatira. She, was a, uh, she worked with fabrics that were purple, and that was something that in this town they were known for. And so it, was, it, it, it is a town that, who knows, we th- many people think that this, the church started here out of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, just like all the other churches that seem to come from. But there is a high likelihood that Lydia came back to her hometown as she does her traveling and doing her business. There is a chance that Lydia came back and in her home started a church there. No one really knows, but that is a connection one of the connections, whereas we haven't heard much from the churches like Pergamum or Smyrna or even uh, Sardis and Philadelphia, all those throughout Scripture, we not, might not hear. But this is one that we have a connection back to previously. But um, yeah, this, it, Thyatira is just a small town, and they've got some, as we're going to see here, they've got some good things going on, but they also have some things to address. It starts off here in, the, in, in verse 18. The Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this. Just like the other letters, we see that if you go back into chapter 1 when John is being approached by Jesus and he turns around and sees who's speaking to him and he starts describing Jesus in all of these ways, you know, and we see examples through whether it's the church in Ephesus or the church in Pergamum or Smyrna, we see where he's taken parts of these descriptions out of chapter one and he's beginning each part of the letters to each of the churches with these descriptions here he is talking about the eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze and basically if you look throughout the scriptures you'll see where eyes like is is, they're penetrating they can see truth where there is no where the truth is being hidden he can look into the hearts of, of of man and and he can just determine motives and all things that are going on. Burnished bronze, feet of burnished bronze is a symbol of judgment. And so here you've got a picture right off the bat where Jesus says that eyes that can look into your heart and, 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 and feet of burnished bronze, that I can sit in judgment of what I see in your heart. And so this, this is kind of, when, when, when John is writing this to the church in Thyatira, he's, he's writing this, and the people there are receiving this, and they hear that. They didn't get like what they said to Ephesus back here when he said, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven lampstands. That doesn't sound so bad. Or in Smyrna when he says, the first and the last who was dead and has come back to life. That's actually something to celebrate, right? Here he says, 
the one who can look into your hearts and the one who has the ability to stand in judgment. I know your deeds. He's, every, every letter starts, has this in there. I know your deeds. But look at what he says here. And your love and faith and service and perseverance. I know your deeds. And he mentions these four things right here. And there are things that we would all love to hear Jesus tell us that I see your love. I see your faith. I see how you're serving. I see how you're persevering, persevering through the difficulties. But the second part of that verse even doubles down on that where it says, and how it is getting greater on the way. Look at what it says there. And that your deeds of late are greater than the ones at first. Again, when we're talking about deeds here, we've said this before, this is works. Some, some translation might even use works. But this is action. This is not just something where you love Jesus. Remember we talked about in Ephesus where he said, uh, I, I, you have left your first love. But then he said, repent. He said, remember, repent, and return to the deeds you were doing at first. What deeds were those? He, again, it's not just about heartfelt emotion or sentiment or anything like that. He's telling them there were some things you were doing at first that you're not doing now. And he's challenging Ephesus to get back to the basics, get back to what you were doing then. Here he's saying your deeds are, your deeds of late are greater, of, of, of current are greater than the ones at first. And so he's, he's telling them, you guys are, you're doing good. Those of you who are pursuing me, those of you who are in love with what, with, you're doing good. But then he says, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds and I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one according to your deeds. This is, and, and remember now, this is not just the church. He, he, he's calling someone out. He's the woman Jezebel. He's not, he's, he uses Jezebel, and we know, uh, most of us uh, remember back in 1 Kings chapter 16 and on, we, we know that there was a Jezebel who had married King Ahab and started really just bringing about this big movement of Baal worshiping among Israel, where uh, you probably remember the story where uh, Elijah comes along and challenges the Baal worshipers up on Mount Carmel, and he, uh, he, 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 there's 850 of them, and all of these at Jezebel are paying. You know, they're on... The, the, she dines with them. She pays them. They're her servants. And so all of these people are up on this mountain, and Elijah just challenges them to a little contest where they're both going to make an altar. They're both going to put an animal up there, sacrifice up there, but they're not going to set it on fire. They're going to stand back and call on their God to do it. And those guys, those 850 guys, they were over there all day trying to get this, you know, call on Baal to start this fire, and it just never happened. But Elijah, when he's dead, he just got to says, God, you know, basically, God, I want you to show these people you are real, that you are alive and well. And as soon as he said that, that's, that thing just, not only that, he actually, before then, he told him to start pouring water on it, like the, all these barrels of water over this sacrifice, and it burned it and dried it right up. 
And this is the same woman that after that happened threatened God's prophet Elijah. And he went off and ran and hid for a while. But this was a woman who was, and in, in, in back then, was just evil. But here, Jesus is saying, you have tolerated the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. This was someone that was in that church. If her name was Jezebel, maybe, I don't know. It's highly unlikely that it is. But you know that when, these, when this letter is being read in the front of this whole church, when they say, the woman Jezebel, you can imagine everybody's eyes went to one place in that room. You can imagine that they knew who this letter was talking about. There is someone there in that congregation that is causing people to participate in acts of immorality and eat food offered to idols. And Jesus here is saying, that's not good. You can't be doing that. You're tolerating this. You cannot tolerate this anymore. As a matter of fact, the idea that she's a prophetess means that she thinks she has some authority. She calls herself a prophet as she thinks she has some authority among people around here. And, and, <clears throat> and somehow, somehow Jesus had even given her an opportunity to repent. We don't know what that means. or how. To, it's, it's highly likely that those who are loving and have faith and serving and persevering, the word is being preached there. It says that your acts of are greater now than they were in the past. They're growing in their faith. They're growing in their love. They're growing in their perseverance. They're growing in their service. It could be that in the midst of all that, she's hearing God's word. She's being challenged from the pulpit, but she's disregarding all of that because she's possibly enjoying what she's doing to the church, what she is, feels like. She's, she's just there leading the church astray, those in the church that follow her, and he says that they're not listening, so they're going to suffer for it. As a matter of fact, it even goes on and just says, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence and the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Again, searches the minds and hearts goes back to that initial greeting where he says his eyes are like flames of fire where he knows the heart of man. This whole idea where, he's, where, where, where he says, I've got a, uh, the, where he's standing there in a feet of bronze, he's got the right to judge. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, this woman Jezebel is causing some of you to turn, it's causing some of you to participate in acts of immorality, causing some of you to eat food offered up to idols, causing some of you guys, to, and, and men and women, to tolerate this stuff and, and all that, and we can't let this go on. We have to do something about this. And he says, if they don't repent, I'm, I'm going to bring sickness. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be death. And the churches are all going to know. Again, this part is read to the church in Thyatira, but it's also been, reading, it's been read to the church in Ephesus, to the church in Sardis, to the church in Smyrna, to the church in Pergamon. It's, it's been read to them as well. And there might even be, if, if they are an association of churches where they do things together, because John seems to, you know, seems to be like a, a, a guy who was around all these churches at some point, even though he was 
just uh, stationed in Ephesus maybe. It seems like he has a relationship with some of these people. There might even be some of these people in these other churches when he says that woman Jezebel. Oh, I know who that is. And he says, this is going to be an example to all the churches. I'm not going to tolerate this, and you shouldn't either. But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He's saying, I'm not, gonna, I'm not asking you to do, I'm not, those of you who are following, those of you who are loving and serving and have faith and enduring and perseverance and all that, those of you who are doing that, those of you who are growing in that way, I'm not adding any more burden on you. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Hang on to what you've been doing. Do not let those who are tolerating this other behavior that's going on in the church, do not let that go on. And I imagine this goes to church in Ephesus, do not let that enter the doors here. Church in Philadelphia, do not let that enter the doors here. Hold fast to what you are doing. Again, in the beginning, he's encouraging them. I know your deeds, man, you're loving, faithful, serving, persevering. Here he's saying, hold on to that. Do not fall for any of this. Do not go there. Do not have anything to do with that. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give the authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken into pieces as I also have received authority from the Father. Now, this can be looked at in two different ways. There, there, there are many, and it, it can be looked at both ways at the same time. And it says here that he who overcomes and keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority. It's as if, if you hold on to you, I'm going to give you authority. I don't necessarily believe that's what this is saying here. There are some people who look at that and they say, to you who are holding on, to him who overcomes, to him who hangs on, to him who continues to do the good deeds and all that, to him I'm going to give authority. I don't believe that's what that's saying here. Because this is a direct quote out of Psalm chapter 2. I'm just going to turn back there real quick and read that to you. This is a psalm that is written, and it is of Jesus saying this. He said, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance. And the very ends of the earth as your possession, talking about Jesus, you shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. The psalmist here is just saying that you will be the one doing this. This is not something that David is saying, I'm going to join you in doing. This is, this is a psalm about Jesus. And when John writes this, when Jesus is saying this, what I believe is going on, to those of you who are overcoming, to the, this is what's coming. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you back to psalm that you all know, that you all remember. I'm taking you back there and showing you that in the psalms, I am going to come and I am going to rule the nations. And I am going to have a rod of iron. And I will shepherd. Matter of fact, that word rule really is more like the word shepherd. And I will shepherd the nations. Now, we do get to join Jesus in that. 
We do get to be with Jesus in doing that. But here's, 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 here's what I want us to see here. Whatever, whether it's post-millennialism, whether it's you know, uh, post-millennial beliefs or pre-millennial beliefs and all that, I don't get caught up in those kind of things because, man, we can have conversations and we can convince each other of all sorts of things. There are great theologians that hold to all those things. But this is, this is what is curious to me is when I look at these verses like this, people get hung up on this part of the verse right here and they miss out on what I believe is the most important part is coming when it says and I will give him the morning star you see they want they, they talk about their role whether it's in ruling or their role whether it's in shepherding or their roles the the things that they're going to be doing and and and, and when, when we have conversations about eternity we, t- we often talk about what are we going to be doing what are we going to be participating in what is going to be available to us and all that and what we don't really kind of embrace is who we're going to be with because it's that person who we're going to be with when it says here and I will give you the morning star toward the end of this the book of Revelation in chapter 22 22.16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. I will give you the morning star. Now, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have access to Jesus now. But what they're talking about here is in that day when we endure, when we, when we overcome, when we have fulfilled, all, when all these things have happened, we are going to be in his presence. We are going to be with him. Not out here and Holy Spirit is in us and, and we are actually going to be in his presence. And it's not going to be that we're going to be ruling. We're going to be doing what Jesus wants us to do. We don't get to do what we want to do when it comes to the nations in heaven. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, whatever he assigns us to do, whatever he wants us to do, we will be doing that, whatever that might be. And that's why I don't get caught up into all this kind of stuff when there is, when there are, whether it's two or three or four different arguments or possibilities of translating a verse like this. I try to step back, look at the verse as a whole and say, what am I, what am I looking at here? What do I want to focus on? And I'm saying that I will give him, when it said, Jesus, I will give you the morning star. You will be in the presence of Jesus. And when we are in the presence of Jesus, we're going to get the promises of Jesus. We're going to have, we're going to be in a place where there is no suffering. We're going to be in a place where there is no sadness, where there is no tears. We're going to be in a place where we're going to have a new body. We're going to be in a place where, and you could throw in whatever images and things that we've heard, but that doesn't happen without Jesus. None of that happens without Jesus. Jesus. We can try all we want to be good. It's not good enough. We can try all we want to keep the laws and the rules and all that. It's not good enough. Jesus is what gives us access to all the things that we read about, all the promises that we have. It is through Jesus that we have access and nothing else. We can even be We can try our best to follow what we see, the rules and regulations and boundaries and laws and whatever of this book, and that's not enough to get you there. Number one, ain't nobody can keep every rule and law and boundaries and all that. No no one can. 
But even if you tried, even if you tried to live this life without Jesus, you're wasting your time. Jesus is what gives us access to all these things that we're talking about. And whether it is we're going to be ruling with him or he's going to be ruling and we're going to be under him, it doesn't matter because it's dependent on what Jesus wants, not what we think is going to happen on the, in the end. And friends, it is so important that we get this Jesus right in our life. It is so important that we recognize in our life that, man, we are messed up and broken. We are, you know, evangelical world, we use the word sinner, but honestly, we are messed up and broken, and it is because of the sin. It is because of our disbelief or our rejection of what God has for us. He, in the beginning, he created a world that where creation got along together and man got along together and man and God got along together and man and creation got along together and everything was perfect. And then man decided they wanted to do things on their own, decided to make a decision apart from what God said. One thing, don't do it. And man decided to do it. And that broke that relationship. God cannot have in perfection in, a, in his perfect world. He can't have it. So there was a separation there, but he didn't leave us there. He did not leave us there. Every man, on, every man and woman on the planet has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. But God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sent Christ to live a perfect life on his planet, and he died for us. He did that for you. He did that for me. He did that for all of us. When Christ died on that cross, he was buried in a tomb, but three days later, God raised him from the dead. And the scriptures tell us, the scriptures tell us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, if we make him king of our life, if we make him Lord of our life, if we do what he wants to do, we, we submit to him and we, and we believe that God raised him from the dead. Those two things, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because when God raised him from the dead, it wasn't just so he could bring someone back to life. It was though so that he could conquer sin and death. And it is only through Jesus that we can be a part of eternal life with the Father. It is only through Jesus that we have access to all the promises that he has for us. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. And you shall be saved. And there's another verse that says, And for those who are in Christ now, therefore, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. That is a verse that we all should be celebrating because there is no, yeah, we're going to slip up. We're going to mess up. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Again, all of mankind are sinners. But in Christ, now, for those who have confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, have submitted their life to him, there is now no condemnation. And so here he says, and I will give him the morning star. That is what we need to celebrate. That is what we need to focus on. That is what we need to emphasize. As we walk with him, not all the things that we want out of this relationship. Pursue Christ and Christ alone. And all these things, all of these things, whatever it is that God wants for us, will come to us. 
For those who have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This message is not just for the church in Thyatira, just like it's the Smyrna message and the, the uh, Pergamum message wasn't just for them. He wrote to them, pointing out some things in that church, but all the churches were reading this. Wow. Man, that's what's going on in Ephesus. But look what he says. He, he called them out on this, but he showed them this. He called Smyrna out for this, and he showed them this is what they need to do. He called the church in Pergamum out. This is what you need to do. He's calling them out. He's showing them what they're doing right. He's showing them what they're doing wrong. And then he's saying, to those who overcome. And, and here it says, you will get the morning star. But the other messages, what have they been saying? What are the other churches getting? Remember, remember the last one? It said, we, we, you get the white stone with, your, with a new name written on it. We talked about how that was an invitation to a party, a celebration. That when, when back then in that day, when you got this white stone, with a, that's, how you got in, that's how you got into parties, celebration. And they always gave them to athletes or you know, people who accomplished great things or whatever. They, they'd give them this white stone. And so each of the churches, they got away. But that message, what's coming to them is for all the churches. It's not just that the church in Pergamum is the only ones getting a white stone. No. That's not the way, that's, that's not the way it works here. And so I want us, as we get ready to start participating, we're going to have the Lord's Supper here in a moment. I want us again to, to look at this message as we see the church in Thyatira and the situation that they're in with this woman Jezebel. And there's a reason why I didn't camp out with this woman Jezebel a long time because, you know, that, that is the negative that we need to avoid. We, we don't need to tolerate these things in, in, in the church. And so I don't want to spend time with that. I want to spend more time focusing on the, per, the person of Jesus who is going to help us Stay away from these deeds that a Jezebel might want us to participate in. But as we get ready to go and have, have this Lord's Supper, I want us to think about Jesus and what he did. We're celebrating, we're remembering, we're commemorating what Jesus did for us here as we participate in the Lord's Supper. And so I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. We're going to get ready here to have this Lord's Supper as I get ready to uh, talk to you about this. I want you to think about this message and, 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 and this, the message to the church in Thyatira and all that they're going through. And I want you to think about what Jesus said. You're loving, you're serving, you're growing, you're persevering, and you're doing it better and better and better each day. Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Do you feel like you're growing and pursuing Christ and all that? Then hold on to that. Continue to do those things. If not, what do you need to do to recognize what Jesus meant to history and mankind and what he did on that cross and what it means for us? What do we need to do to redirect our efforts and thoughts and sentiment and whatever you want to call it to embrace what he has done and give our life back to him as an offering to him thanking him for what he has done that's what this lord's supper is it's a remembering and a thanking for him